We're so blessed to have Vivian Hibbert here. She has um, a whole treasury of information out front here at the table. There are these um, notebooks with word studies and studies on different themes. There's a book about prophetic worship. Um, all of these materials have been incredibly instrumental in my own life. And the way I um, study scripture, the way I learned about who God is and who just worship. Worship is her theme. Worship is her lane. But Vivian is a phenomenal teacher. My favorite thing, and the part that I'm always like, please give me the anointing. Please pass it on. Is that when she teaches, it takes you into worship. When she, when she teaches you about the wonder and glory and beauty of God and scripture, it makes your heart want to sing. And I think singing should lead us into wanting to study and understand more, and study should make us want to sing more. So it's always a cycle. It's always a dialogue. It's always a conversation with God. And I believe that's something you've imparted to me and I think to our congregation and to the body of Christ. So thank you so much. So Vivian, come on up here and speak to us today. Yeah, let's give her a good Sigalili Church welcome. Woohoo! Blessings. Yes, and I. Is Raylin back? Yes, she is. Okay, there she is. She told me not to start till she got back. <laughs> Well, it's absolutely phenomenal and spectacular to see you all this morning. Praise God. You just, um, you live in my heart. I never forget this church. I never forget this city and this state. I just love you. That's why I'm not going to say anymore because I'll keep crying. <laughs> and I can't talk and cry at the same time. It's so exciting to see what's happening with Kelly Joe with the, the girls. I'm thrilled about that. And I love to get the prayer requests, although that's hearing often bad news about what's going on with you. But <laughs> at least I get to see you and your names and pray for you. So... I live, I've bought a home, I live in um, South Carolina. <laughs> if you know where Augusta, Georgia is, that's where the big golf tournament is, the Masters Golf Tournament. And um, one time I went there, the last time Tiger Woods won, I was there at the 18th green when he, he won his last Masters. But anyway, um, Augusta morphs over the Savannah River into South Carolina. So I live technically in North Augusta, South Carolina. But if ever you ever you go you go to get to Atlanta, you go east, right straight east from Atlanta, you'll get to me. And come and stay. We've got a guest room and we would just love to see any of you that are passing through to come and stay and uh, it'd be wonderful to see you. So um the Lord provided. Um, after I left here, I was kind of wandering homeless a little bit. I was just living with people, and I lived in Texarkana for however many years. And 
God provided this home. It's just such a blessing to have this. And it's a brand new home, a new build. And um, I'm just over flabbergasted by what God has done and his faithfulness. And so being in the ministry, you know, you don't ever really make much money. But to be able to have such a beautiful home is just a testament to his faithfulness and I just am overwhelmed. So I want to share it and I want to share that blessing with you. So come and stay with me. So Sarah told me that we're speaking on a series. We're in a series about the voice of God. Is that right? About hearing his voice. So I just, as soon as she shared that with me, I, I just, these scriptures came to me and I just wanted to, to talk about this, about God's intimate God's intimate voice with us. He, the, the thing about God is he wants to be having fellowship with you. He wants you to hear his voice. It's not like he's up there saying, well, I'll talk to Sarah, but I'm not going to talk to you because you're naughty. You know, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't talk like, he doesn't think like that. He wants you to hear his voice. He hasn't made it difficult. He's made it easy for us to hear his voice. He speaks he speaks through the prophetic word, the word of God, the, the worship, the instruments. And when we're playing the instruments, we're not just playing music. We wanted to play the sound of God rushing through here. So poor old Steve thought there was an aircraft carrier or air, aircraft, aircraft taking off in the service this morning. But it was just my little thunder drum thing because it's, it's the thunder of God's voice. Hallelujah. And um, so... He talks, through the, he talks through nature and what beautiful nature you have here. Sharon took me down to see Zion National Park and my, I had never seen it while I was here. And it's just, you know, I'm still affected in my spirit by seeing that. And he talks to us through those things. He talks to us through friends and he talks to us. He can even talk to you through a movie. <laughs> he talks to you in unusual ways. And so tune your ear. This morning, my prayer for you all is that our ears would be tuned so that we'd, we'd be able to hear him more clearly. And, and John 18 verse 37 says, Those who love the truth listen to his voice. If you love the truth, if you really wanted to love the truth, listen to his voice. And, and on in that chapter, he's talking about the sheep and how the, the, um, the sheep hear the voice. If, if I had time, and, and I'm sorry because I'm going to have to leave fast after I finish speaking. I'm going to have to talk fast and leave fast because I have to catch the plane um, to go home. So I can't stay and talk to you. But if I had time, I'd show you a picture of there's these sheep in New Zealand where this guy talks to the sheep and he says, who do you love? And they all go, bah, at the same time. He says, what do you want? Bah. Who are you voting for? Bah. And they all just respond to him. The whole flock are just talking to him. If you Google it, Google on, on YouTube, New Zealand sheep, what do you want? And you'll see this guy talking to the sheep. And, there's, and you can find where shepherds have, have different people calling the sheep, and the sheep just don't even lift their heads. But as soon as the, the shepherd starts speaking, the sheep lift up their heads, and they come to the shepherd. So sheep 
love the voice of the shepherd. And, um, and this is a key scripture for today, is Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And the whole purpose is he wants fellowship with us. He wants intimacy with us. He wants to commune with us. And he, he calls with his voice. And this, so often we think that this is a scripture that we share with people that don't know the Lord. And so this is a scripture for them. But this is a, a scripture, this was written to, to Christians, to believers, to the church. And so he says to the church, if, um, come and um, open the door. And I want to come in and sit with you. So... We think that we want to hear his voice, but he also, he longs for our voice. And so it's awesome. So what we're going to do, um, there's kind of three parts to this message, although there's lots of sevens in here, Steve. So the first part, we're going to look at um, the first time the word sound and voice and some of those things are found in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. And it's a great biblical principle that something of first mention it is often of great significance. And although God spoke and things were created, so we know there was sound and voice before this passage, but we're mainly looking at Genesis chapter 3. And we're looking at the first time God's voice is mentioned, although we know that just with the word voice and with the word sound and those kinds of things. And then we're going to look and see the last time in the Bible, the last mention of God's voice and what happened. And so the first occasion you're going to see where Adam and Eve, they were sinners, they'd been naughty. Can you all say naughty? Yeah, it's not naughty, it's naughty. And so when, when they'd been naughty, when they heard God's voice, they ran away and hid. And they were ashamed. And so often we do the same thing. We often run from God. But by the time all of this takes place, thousands of years, right through our time and into some days in the future, when the final accounting, the final thing, you'll see the progression that man has made from hiding from God to becoming like him. It's just spectacular. So if we can go to the first slide, they, they sinned because there was a tree. The tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And this was the cause of the problem, is they, they wanted to be wise, wiser than God. They wanted to know, but they ate, they sinned, but look at what happened in the last time that a tree is mentioned. Revelation 22:14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree. When you obey God, you have the right to the tree, the tree of life and you may enter into the gates of the city, and you find out in verse 22 that this is a tree that has healing for the nations. So instead of the tree causing uh, sickness for thousands of years into mankind, now we eat and the tree gives life. God's people have access to the tree. 
The next word we're going to look at that's in this passage of Genesis chapter 3 is Genesis 3 verse 8. This is the first time the word heard is mentioned in the Bible. The first time that the word heard. Now, of course, somebody heard God speaking, but this, and of course, Adam, and the, Adam walked with God and talked with God. So we know that there was a hearing before this, but this is the first mention of the word. Genesis 3, 8, and when Adam and Eve saw and heard the beauty of the garden, they heard, they heard the, they heard the voice of God coming. And when they heard the voice of God, the last time the hearing of that voice is Revelation 22, 8. John saw and heard, and when he heard, he fell down and he worshipped. So when they first, when they first were hearing things, they wanted to take. In the final hearing, they hear and they worship. So it's interesting, that juxtaposition. And the next word that we see is the word sound, Genesis 3.8. They heard the sound of the Lord God. And I'm so interested in the word sound in the Bible. If you look all through the sound, the sound of God, what does he sound like? What does he sound like? His voice sometimes is like that thunder. Sometimes he whispers. Sometimes his voice is like a trumpet. It's really interesting. So we need to learn to hear the sound of God. The sound of the Lord God. That's what they heard. And in Revelation 19, 16, the last time sound is heard. The sound is found in the Bible. I heard the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of a mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. So the first sound, the word sound in the Bible is God, and they ran from him. But after all of this, after all that God allowed us to go through and all that we put ourselves through, and all of time, in the last days, we are going to become the sound that we heard back there. His voice of thunder, now they are the voice of thunder. Look. I heard the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of a mighty thundering. So the people are becoming like the God that they heard and saw. Instead of running from him and hiding from him, they become like him. And when we get into heaven, we are going to be the great thunderous sound. Okay, the next word is the word presence. This is the first time in the Bible the word presence is found. Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And even the second and the third time this word is mentioned, it's people who have sinned that run from the presence of God. His presence and the, the, the awe of his presence, they run from him. Don't run from the presence of God. When you go through all of this over all of time, the time of your life, your walk with God, look at the final time, talking about the presence, what's going to happen to us. It's in Jude 24, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. See, back in the beginning, they were sinners. They were, 
They had, they had marred God's creation. And yet, the final presentation of us before the presence of God, we are faultless. In Genesis, he's faultless. In Jude, we become faultless. Sometimes it's hard to even imagine how can you and I, and you know how naughty you are, maybe not as bad as Stanley, but, you know. So here we've got, back there we were naughty, but when he presents us, you are going to be faultless. You're going to be without spot or wrinkle. And he's going to present you before the presence of his glory. What an incredible thought. Uh, I can't wait for that day. So Adam and Eve hid, hid because they were, they were sinners, and yet they're going to be completely uncovered, faultless. The next is the word called. The first time the word called is found in the Bible is also in this little section, Gen Genesis 3, verse 9. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he was looking for them. Even though they had sinned, he still wanted them. He still ran after them. And so th they, they didn't want to see him, and they hid. But in Revelation 19, verse 9, he said to me, Right, blessed are those who were called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So that he called us in Genesis. He called Adam and Eve because he wanted to see them, and, and he had to begin the journey of setting it all right. But by, by the book of Revelation, now we're being called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so you can see the whole story of the Bible from this call to this call. This being heard and this heard. This, this um, presence and now us being presented in his presence. It's an incredible, that, that means the whole story has come full circle. The next, the next verse is, a, vo, a word is the word voice. Genesis 3.10 said, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. This is Adam speaking to God. I heard you and I was afraid because I was naked. So he heard the voice. It's the first time the word voice is in the Bible. Adam heard the voice, and it wasn't good. But if you look into the, into the book of Revelation, Revelation 19, verse 6, here's the voice of the bride, and again, I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters. So the bride's voice has changed, and now the voice of God, Revelation 21, 3. This is the last time the word voice is used in the Bible. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So the first time they heard his voice, it was like they were separated from him. The last time we hear his voice, He's saying, I have come to tabernacle with you. I've come to make my home with you. I have come to be with you. I want to not just have my presence come and then go and come and go. I want to tabernacle or I'll make my place with you. And that's what God is wanting. And finally, the word hid, Genesis 3, 8. 
and 10, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the first time we find the word hid, or anything about hiding from God, we're hiding to get away from him. But in the final understanding of hiding for us, we actually find this in Colossians 3.3. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So they begin by hiding from God. But by the time mankind has walked through this, all the ages of time, it took all of this time. Because I used to have an argument with God. I used to say, how come you didn't send Jesus to die on the cross right after Adam and Eve sinned? Then I wouldn't have been naughty. Right? If he could have fixed it back then. And, and I think the answer is that it took him all of this time all of mankind over all the ages, all the people, all the different ones of us from different cultures and different places, thousands and thousands of years, we've tried every trick on God. And we finally found out that we can't fix ourselves. It took all of that time. And so by the time Jesus came, mankind was ready. And for you, by the time Jesus comes, he, you're ready. He has he, every single one of us. He has us ready to receive him. And so if you're a hider, if you've been hiding from God, you need to change the tactic because you don't just get to hide from him. There's, a, there's the greatest hiding place in all of the Bible is this verse. For you, your life is hidden with Christ. We die... And see, first of all, is this is the, the great secret of the church. There's two secrets. He died, rose again, and lives in me. And many Christians stop with that truth. There's another layer of this truth, is that now I die and have to rise again and be hidden in him. Many Christians don't want the second part because we get to heaven with the first part. Jesus died and lives in my heart. He's hidden in me. We get to heaven with that. But there's another layer of Christian walk that is deeper, that when you die, that you are hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. So all of those seven things show out of that first part of the story, the first mention of all of that brings us to the great depth of where God wants to take us. And so the next section that I want to talk about, and I don't think there's um, slides for this, but I just wanted to talk to you about Ruth for a minute. Um, because Ruth, the, the whole thing is that if you want to know how to get there, it, it, the secret is actually easy. The Lord takes us and he puts us into all of those great scriptures and we become thunderous voices, we become pure and spotless and presented before his glory and we get to see all the great things and get to the marriage supper of the lamb and we're hidden in Christ and all of those things 
How do you get there? And one way to, a person in the Bible to see is, is Ruth, because the secret is that God takes the simple and the mundane things of your life, and as you make correct choices, God works through the mundane. We think there's gonna come flashes from the sky, and God's gonna do something incredible, but, but this book of Ruth is an extraordinary book, and it tells the largest storyline of the Bible. And the lar largest storyline of the Bible, it, it, it comes and it focuses in on this one little family that Ruth was part of, and I'll tell you about it in just a minute. But God, through this book, weaves redemption out of the ordinary and mundane things of life. And you don't have to be some great superpower Christian you just have to say, I'm going to follow Jesus today. I'm going to obey him with this choice. I'm going to listen to his voice as I hear my children speaking and playing. I'm going to listen for his voice as I go on, go on my way to work. The simplicity of our lives, he's there in every part. And as we choose him in those every part, and we make him Lord and King in those places, and you choose to lift your heart and say, I'm yours, I'm yours. You don't have to be some super duper, that is the super duper Christian right there, because we see there's two books of the Bible that are written about women, by women or about women, the book of Esther and the book of Ruth. The book of Esther is the story of a Jewish girl who marries a Gentile king. The book of Ruth is the story about a Gentile girl who marries a Jewish boy. Hallelujah. And in both of these stories, these two women, because of their choices in the mundane things of life, they actually affect all of humanity for all time. Because Jesus came through the line of Ruth. The story of Ruth is that she had this husband and he died and She's got this mother-in-law, she really loves him, loves her, and a sister-in-law, and her husband died, and the mother-in-law, her husband died, everybody's dying. But Ruth wanted to go, they were way off in Moab, and they decided to come back to, to Judah, to Bethlehem, and uh, there was going to be food there, and, and Ruth she had to obey her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law told her how to, how to go out and, and try and find them food. And so we're going to look at that just for a little minute. I'm not going to spend a long time on any of this, but both uh, Ruth affected history because she was, she, she was a poor, they were poor, they had nothing, they're eating just the grain. They don't have anything. And yet God made this story an extraordinary story in the Bible. There's actually four chapters in the book of Ruth. And the four chapters mirror so many great men and women of the Bible, where the first chapter or the first part of the story is like the first day, the first, the first part of their life when, when, we're, when we're given to our family, when we first become a Christian and we're learning about the family of God and we're all excited and we've got this new family. That's the first stage of your Christian walk. 
But then chapter two of Ruth, she's taken into the harvest field and she's working in the harvest. The second part of our Christian walk is that we are given to the harvest. We're interested in the nations and what's God doing and we've got to get everybody in Utah saved and, and, and we're excited about the work. But the third chapter, she's given to the Lord of the harvest and she meets this man called Boaz who's, who's got this field and, and she goes out and she works in the field for Boaz and he falls in love with her and she falls in love with him and it's wonderful. And she became, she was given to the Lord of the harvest. And what I'm saying to you is that in the listening ear that God wants to cultivate this intimate listening, yes, we're involved in the family of God and yes, we're involved in the harvest and the work in the community. But God wants us to be given to the Lord of the harvest. He wants us not just to spend all our time running around with people and running around doing the work of Christianity, but he wants us to learn what, what we were singing in the worship this morning about waiting on him and being with him. And it's, it's the same with Jesus. You can see Jesus. He, first of all, was given to his family. And then he was given to the work of the ministry and he went out and did all the miracles. He was 33 years old. He went out and he started doing the work. That was day two. And then he was given to the Lord of the harvest, his father. He says, your will be done, not mine. And every one of us have to come through that progression. It's almost like a, a, a third day. day. Day one of our Christian walk is to, to meet our Christian family and be part of the family and excited about the family. And then day two is when we're given to the harvest. And day three, every one of us have to grow into maturity where we turn our ear to the Lord that we learn how to sit and wait. We learn how to find him in the word and find him in the dark times. Find him when life's not going well and still choose him and say, I choose you over and over again. Find him when things are difficult. Find him, find him in the good days, find him on the bad days. And we're given to be worshipers. And chapter four of Ruth is when the glory comes. She ends up marrying this man. Her husband had died. She marries the man, and he, uh, they have a child, and that child is the grandfather of King David. And the line of Jesus the Messiah comes out of this girl who was a Gentile. This extraordinary story. So um, if you want, Steve, in chapter 1, there's a sevenfold plea that's very famous Entreat me not to leave you. This is what she said. Her, her mother-in-law wanted her to stay back with her people because the mother-in-law was going back to Bethlehem because they were starving. And Ruth said, no, 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 I want to go, you in the, go with you. And the other daughter-in-law finally relented and said, yes, I'll, I'll stay with my people. But Ruth said to the mother-in-law this most extraordinary thing. Entreat me not to leave you nor to turn back from following you. Number two, where you go, I will go. Number three, where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. See, she's, she's in with the people part. This is day one. I'm, I'm going to join with your people. Your God will be my God. 
Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. She actually, she's asking for, in a sense, the Lord to curse her if she doesn't follow on with this. So it's a sevenfold plea of Ruth. And that's, that's day one. Day two, or part two of her story, she's given to the harvest. And Naomi says to her seven things, seven things you've got to do. She says, listen, my daughter. Or, or sorry, Boaz. Boaz is saying this. He says, listen, this is Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Listen, my daughter, glean in my field, come into the harvest. And, he, and he, leaves, he tells his young men, leave handfuls on purpose for this girl. Leave her, just leave her alone and give her handfuls on purpose. Then he tells her to stay close. Oh, you've got those. That's wonderful. Okay, stay close. Let your eyes be on the field. Follow my ways. Follow my people. Drink from my vessels and eat from my bread. That's what the Lord says to you, the Lord of the harvest. That's what he's saying to you. And so, so that's what we've got to do. If you want to go into, if it's time in your walk with the Lord to go into the harvest, do that. List, keep listening to God, though. Keep listening to him. And go among his fields and among, and among his sheaves. Stay close to him. Let your eyes be on the field on what he's given you to do. Follow his ways. Follow and be with his people. And drink from his vessels and eat from his bread. That's God's command to us. When you're in day two, hallelujah. And then day three, part three, okay. Where she gives herself to the Lord of the harvest. Seven things that Naomi asks her to do to get ready to, to, to come into intimacy with Boaz. This is before they're married. It's an unusual custom. But under their customs... Boaz should have taken her and married her because her husband had died and, and this is a relative. Boaz is a relative of Ruth. But there was a closer relative that gave up his right, so it was Boaz's right to take her and to marry her. And so Naomi, the mother-in-law, is telling her to go and do this. Seven things. Do we have those, Raylan, or whoever's doing that? Seven things for Ruth to do. She says, go and wash yourself. If you're ready to enter into day three, I want to give my ear to the Lord of the harvest. We have to wash ourselves. We have to be clean. Wash yourself. Anoint yourself. Many times we want someone else to anoint us. If somebody else could lay hands on me and anoint me, I'd, I'd be okay. You want to learn how to find that anointing yourself. The anointing it's Christ in you, and we've got to learn how to step into the anointing that God has given us so that we can be his. So there's, a there's times when we need to get prayed for by other people and anointed by other people, but there's times when God wants you to anoint yourself, and we have to wash ourselves. Here's your washing right here. It's the, it's the word washes you. And then anoint yourself and put on your best garments. Hallelujah. There's actually seven garments that God has given the church. There's the garment of praise and the robe of righteousness and garments of joy. That are seven things that are mentioned in the Bible. But you can put those on. Put on the garment of praise and the robe of righteousness and get down to the floor. Go down to the threshing floor. 
And every threshing floor in the Bible has got something to do with death. Every threshing floor. And something great comes out of every threshing floor. It's just an interesting observation that, that I've made that every time you see a threshing floor mentioned, somebody's died and there's a new era that's about to start and it's going to be better than the one that was before. Isn't that awesome? And so, so um, he, he go down to, that's where Boaz was. He was threshing the wheat. And, um, and then Naomi says, notice where he goes. Notice where he goes. Do you know where God goes? It's like you have to be a reporter. Um, there's a, um, a scripture somewhere that says, he was seen on the wings of the wind. It sounds like a TV report. Who saw him on the wings of the wind? And what did that look like? You can ask him, ask him, what does that look like? That you fly on the wind. Or that he goes up and down on clouds. It's like clouds are God's elevator. Psalm 68 is a great psalm. It talks about the goings of God. It says, they have seen your goings, O God. Imagine that, the goings of God. We have seen your goings, O God, the goings of God in the sanctuary. It says that the, the, the um, singers go out before and the women with timbrels. And, but it's talking about that God has 20,000 chariots in the sanctuary. Can you imagine sometimes when we're doing warfare, 20,000 chariots of God whizzing around in here? He's got 20,000 chariots when he goes sometimes. I'm just telling you what the Bible says about him. He goes, and he goes with 20,000 chariots, and then he asks us to join him. I think that's awesome. That's a great worship service, isn't it? Notice where he goes. Notice where he goes. He's, he, he goes places. He's a king. And, and the Bible says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. So we've got to go with him. Lie down at his feet, listen to him, and he'll tell you what you should do. And that's where we are. That's where God brings us, that we have to be those that are going to listen to him. And, he re and he's our, he's our kings kinsman redeemer, our nearest kinsman. She says to him, cover me, extend the border of your mantle or your tallit, extend it over me for you're my, now my nearest kinsman. And they're married, and the glory happens. Hallelujah. And we are affected to this day because of what Ruth did. Here she is, a poor girl, and yet through the ordinary day by day of life, she chose God, she obeyed, and we, we get the benefit. Hallelujah. And the final part that I just wanted to tell you about is in Song of Solomon. And, and by the way, there's three degrees of listening. Psalm 45 says, listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. You listen, you consider, you think about what you're hearing and you hear with, with your thoughts. You hear with your ear, you hear with your thoughts. And then it says, incline your ear. Incline your ear. That means you gotta lean on him. Incline, just lean on him. And now your heart has moved towards him even more. So here's the, the beautiful place of intimacy. It's actually the only time in the Bible where, where 
where it says that the king greatly desires something. He's actually got seven things that he desires in the Bible. This is one of them. He wants us to listen, hear, and incline our ear on him. But he, there's the only time that it says he greatly desires something. He desires your beauty. I think that's awesome. He desires your beauty. And so the final, the final thing I wanted to tell you about was and this is a scripture I felt for your church, um, was in Song of Solomon. Um, the whole Song of Solomon is a, a, a book of tremendous intimacy with the Lord, and you can hear the voice of the Lord in this book. Song of Solomon 2.8, the voice of my beloved, behold, he's leaping on the mountains and skipping on the hills. That's how fast he wants to come to you. What a, what a picture. Imagine what it looks like for the God of heaven to leap on hills and mountains. And then she says, the, this is, the, this is the, the bride speaking. We could say this is Ruth if we want to for right now, or it's us. It says, the flowers appear on the earth and the time of singing has come and the voice of the turtle that is heard in our land. And she says this, oh, my dove, she says this to him. This is what we cry to God, oh, my dove, in the cleft of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff. Let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. I've always loved that scripture. Sometimes you can think of it, that's what he would say to us, but in actual fact, the, in the Bible, it's, the, it's us, it's the bride that says this to him that he's in the secret places. He's in the secret place of the cliff, that actually the picture here is, the, here's the mountain, here's our walk with God. It's sometimes a struggle and we go upwards like this. And that's what this is, the secret place of the cliff. Here we are, we're going and we're struggling, and you're struggling for all those years to get those girls. And you wonder if it's ever gonna work, and you wonder if your dream's ever gonna come to pass. And you find him in the secret place on the ascending journey of faith. That's what the cliff represents. We find him in the secret of the ascending journey of faith. He's actually got five hiding places where he hides. And all of them are to teach us how to see and hear and smell and taste and touch. He has the, he has the hiding place um, of thunder where he teaches us how to hear. Um, he has the hiding place of darkness where he hides in darkness. He doesn't have any darkness in him, but he hides in darkness to teach us to see more clearly and thunder that we might hear more clearly. And the secret place of his presence, Psalm 31:20, And the secret place of thunder that we hear him, sorry, so it goes darkness, Oh, the, sorry, the secret place of his tabernacle is number two. That's where you smell him. And the tabernacle, that's where the incense is, Psalm 27, 5. He hides me there. And the secret place of his presence, Psalm 31, 20. The secret place of thunder so that we can hear him. And this one, the secret place of the stairs. This is so that we can taste. This is a whole, Song of Solomon is a book about tasting. She's always wanting to, Taste, you taste and you see. It'll take you back to the beginning. Taste and you'll see. It doesn't say see and you'll be able to taste. 
when they were walking on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him by his voice or his countenance. They recognized him when he broke bread and they ate and their eyes were opened. When we taste and when we eat, we see him. Hallelujah. And so God wants that kind of intimacy where your eyes see him, your ears hear him, you can touch him, you can smell him, and you can taste him. He's real, and he's not an imaginary figure that sits on a cloud somewhere. He's a real God, and he wants intimacy with you. And so call you today that you might be people of intimacy with God. Hallelujah. So that's, that's what I wanted to say. But this final bit, this is what I, when Sarah asked me to share, this is the scripture that I felt for the church and for some of you personally. Hold on. Um, I must have messed it up. But it is where um, the, the bride, the Shulamite, she says, hold on, I'm going to read it here. I, I know I've got to go, so. Uh, finding Song of Solomon is hard because it's stuck between all these big books. All right. This is what I felt for your church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, not exactly. It's this part here. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes leaping upon the hills, mountains skipping on the hills. Um, and then it says this. My beloved spoke and said to me, and this is what I feel the Lord wants to say to you. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For the winter is past, and the rain is over, and the flowers appear in the earth, and the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. And I just feel like, just like she's announcing a new season, I speak to you today and I announce a new season over this church that the winter is past and the rain is over and gone. And the Lord wants to share with you that the flowers are going to appear, the fruitfulness of your years and years and years as a church. How old is this church? 40 years. The fruitfulness of 40 years has come. Hallelujah. And the flowers appear and the singing, has, the time of singing and the voice of the turtle dove, if I had time, I'd play one of those big flutes over you, but I don't have time. But the, sound, the turtle dove has got this low moaning sound. And God is, and the reason these are mentioned is the turtle dove is the first bird that migrates back, and that's the first bird they hear, hear in the spring. Hallelujah. And so when the winter is past, they know it's past because the turtle dove's singing. And so I declare to you, listen for the sound of the turtle dove. Listen and watch for the season of rain is to be over and gone. And some of you, this is for you personally, in your personal lives. Hallelujah. Like Kelly Jo, the journeys that she's been on must have felt like a winter sometimes. But the winter is past. And you're going to see the fruitfulness come. But I say it to you as a church that the winter is past and it's the time of singing and the time of the turtle dove, the time of fruitfulness and the time that God is going to shower his grace on you in new and great measure. Hallelujah.
It is so wonderful to be with you. Thank you for having me, and I, I just bless you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, so Vivian's um, materials are available in her Venmo account. If you want to just bless her and support her ministry, I just recommend you buy those materials and send a little extra as well. And um, let's just, Lord, we just pray for Vivian and her ministry and just the um, blessing of her home. We just celebrate that, that she's been able to settle and uh, we just thank you for this word, and we receive it today in the name of Jesus. We receive your voice. We receive a greater level of intimacy. We receive that changing of seasons and time of refreshing even that uh, you spoke over us during worship, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you would like prayer, um, we have a table over here where we can pray for you. Um, you could also reach out to anybody here in the auditorium, and we would love to pray for you. And um, we'll see you next week. God bless you. <laughs>